Welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hello, my name is David Al. I'm the Vaughn site pastor here. I hope you like that song that we just played. It's a powerful song with really impactful lyrics. And um, yeah, today we are continuing our series of women of faith who change the world. And so far in the past weeks, we've covered Mary Magdalene, uh, Cheryl Bear, Viola Desmond, and just this past week, Pastor Tony shared with us a message on Perpetua and Felicity. And today, we will look at another awesome person. And I will tell you that person's name in a little bit. But first, have you ever played a game called Would You Rather? It's a game that, uh, where I give you two situations and you have to choose one, the one where you would rather be in. So if you're ready, let's start the game. First one, would you rather be trapped in a broken elevator or broken ski lift? Both have to do with a bit of heights. Uh, for me, definitely a ski lift because I can actually see how far down the ground is from where I am. All right, next one. Would you rather be trapped in a broken ski lift or upside down in a broken roller coaster? So true story, this recently happened in a park that we're very, very familiar with, which I will not name any names. <laughs> All right, next one. Would you rather be stuck on an island with a bad friend or a monster? Some of you are thinking, aren't they the same thing? <laughs> you have to choose one. All right, last one. Would you rather be stuck in a pitch dark room all by yourself or a locker room filled with stinky socks from a hockey team that just played their game? Oh man, that, that imagery, and apologize for the sensory attack there. Well, I hope you can actually see the common theme across the questions. Uh, they all have to do with being stuck or being trapped. Have you ever felt stuck or, or trapped? Uh, or have you even, even been trapped uh, at a place that you can't get out of? That's a pretty scary thing. So, okay, true story. Because um, I found it on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> uh, there's a man called uh, uh, Kenny Wheeler, and he's from the UK. And, and when he was going to work at one point, and he got into an elevator, and the elevator stopped. And he was kind of scared, but he did what most of us would do. He pulled out his phone and started updating uh, the Facebook status to tell people that he is stuck in an elevator. So guess what happened next? Is that nine people immediately liked his status, but none came to his rescue. Um, but thankfully, eventually, one of his coworkers actually saw his Facebook status and came to help him and just, you know, called the, 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 the help that's needed. And he, he, he was freed. And uh, it's, it's a funny story, right? Um, you, know, you know, people trapped in the elevator. But all joking aside, you know, we've all been trapped or felt trapped We've all been stuck or felt stuck. And, and, and sometimes, yeah, in a physical location like an elevator, but most often, more often, it's like feeling trapped in a situation that you can't get out of. Maybe it's your work relationship with your boss or, or a coworker. Uh, maybe it's financial debt. Maybe it's your marriage or your relationship with someone you are very close to. 
There are times when we feel trapped and it's, it's like there's no way out. So let's just take a minute or two. I want you to share uh, about uh, how you feel if you were trapped for a very, very long time, okay? What would you do? Would you be scared? Uh, would you cry? Would you be angry? Uh, would you, would you, what would you do about your situation? Would you try to escape? Would you plan a retaliation? Or would you simply give up? What would you do? Share about that. If you have a real life experience, talk about that as well. So I'll give you a minute on that. Well, now that you've shared, um, I remember a time when I felt stuck and I felt stuck at work and I needed people to talk to, but I actually don't see any way out. Like I try to improve the situation. I try to talk to the people involved. Um, I try to uh, strategize, to plan a bit, but there just seems to be no, no way out. And I felt that people were sort of taking pity on me, you know, those who were seeing what's happening. Um, I was afraid of what other people would think of me. Um, and the situation was pretty grim and desperate. And, and I remember those, those years of my life, you know, for the longest time, I don't know what else to do. I really felt stuck and I felt trapped. And I know this sounds really depressing, but you know, me sharing with you, I'm hoping that it actually helps you recall the situation where you've, you feel that you're trapped. And, you know, today I want to tell you someone who has also been trapped uh, in her life for close to 30 years. Yes, 30 years. Uh, but the thing is, she did something about that. Well, she was trapped because she was born into slavery 
It means that her parents were slaves, and that's why she was born a slave. So let me tell you about Sojourner Truth. Yeah, I know that's a pretty cool name, right? But she wasn't called, always called Sojourner Truth. She was uh, originally called Isabella Bomfrey. And she was born in Swartikill, New York in 1797. And I know like Swartikill is actually a pretty cool name too for a little town. And she was born into slavery and was, was, was um, a slave uh, to several slave masters in the course, over the course of, of 30 years. And as a, as a reminder, like slaves have no freedom of their own. Uh, they can't do what they want to do. They can't go to places where they want to go. They can't make their own decisions. They can't chase down their own dreams. Uh, and, and worse, they cannot be who they are. They are owned by someone else. They're slave masters. So Sojourner Truth was trapped not for 10 minutes, like in an elevator, not for a day, not for a month, but close to 30 years. When she was nine, uh, she was sold to another slave master for about $100 and a flock of sheep at a time. Now, I don't know what a flock of sheep would worth today, but $100, it's about, you know, 2100 US dollars or $2,500 uh, Canadian. And, and, and over the next 20 years, she was sold several more times. She was held as a slave. She was beaten, mistreated, bullied, and abused. And if you wonder how people saw her, people like her, who was black, uh, a woman, and also a slave, and this we're talking about 220 years ago in the 1800s. Um, it's, there's simply no category for women slaves, if you know what I mean. You probably don't know what I mean. Well, black slaves who are men, yes, they are black slaves. There were plenty of women who were slaves, but they were seen as even lower than uh, the women black slaves. So they were the lowest of lows in terms of where she stood in society. Now, but something really amazing happened in 1826 when she was around 29 years old. She escaped. She ran away. She found a way to run away from her slave master. Now, some say that was, it was because the slavery system at the time was about to fall apart. And that probably helped her too. And, and, and she, had, she was forced to leave behind some of her children and only, only um, took her baby daughter, Sophia, with her. And she had to leave behind her husband too. Her husband was named Thomas and her four other children that she had to leave behind. Now the details of her escape weren't really that clear, but she immediately after her escape, she wanted, she wanted to claim back her son. So guess what she did? She went to court to try to win back her son. Now remember, I told you that black women slaves, black slaves in general, they were the lowest of lows in society back in the day. And you can understand how hard it was for a black slave, black slave woman who is going to court. You know, the system was not in her favor. But at the same time, after she escaped, a Christian couple, Isaac and Maria Van Wagenen, took Sojourner Truth into their home and took care of her. Okay, Truth felt deeply loved by them. Now, what does the Van Wagenens, what does Isaac and Maria have to do? Because with the help of the Van Wagenens, she took the claim to court and she won the case. She won back her son. 
So that isn't that beautiful? It's, a, it's amazing. She was actually the first black woman to win a case against a white man. A white man. So uh, that's, that's really amazing. And, and it was also during this time that she became a Jesus follower, a Christian as well. And she recounts this, this point in her life where she saw a vision from God. And I'm going to quote here. It was in New York City where she experienced a powerful divine vision. During this conversion, Truth recognized that she and all other blacks and women deserved equal rights under the law. We had been taught that uh, we was a species. Now, this is quoting uh, Sojourner Truth. A species of monkey, baboons, or orangutan, and we believed it, she recalled. But some years ago, there appeared to me a form. Then I learned that I was a human being. We got to pause here for a moment here. She learned that she was a human being, not a slave, not owned by anybody else, but made in the image of God, precious to God's eyes. She began to preach, focusing primarily on equality and social issues like the problem of slavery. And in 1843, when she was around 46 years old, Truth changed her name from Isabella Bomfrey to Sojourner Truth and began what would be her life-defining work. She declares that the Spirit called her to preach the truth, the truth that God loves everyone. They are all the equal. And let's talk about her name for a little bit. A, a sojourner is someone who is on the road or journeying and who is only staying temporarily. Sojourner Truth saw herself as a temporary dweller of the earth uh, with her eternal home in heaven with God. Now, the second part of her name, Truth, is what she is called to do, uh, to preach the truth that all humans are equally valued in the eyes of God. Now, according to another writer, quote, uh, this new name signified her role as a preacher, uh, pre her preoccupation with truth and justice, and her mission to teach people to embrace Jesus and refrain from sin. Now, I'm, I know there's a lot of big words there. Uh, it just simply means that her name change uh, meant that she was even more focused now to bring more people uh, to freedom and to Jesus. And she began to preach wherever she went. And if you don't understand, let me just remind you how hard it was um, for black women, a former slave, to actually start speaking up. Now, back then, uh, the women weren't really, uh, uh, like the platform for them to speak to public wasn't really a regular platform. Not a lot of women that would do that, let alone a black woman who was a former slave. But truth was a speaker. And there were many prejudices, and slave owners saw them as former slaves or slaves as working animals, like an ox or, or a horse, or even worse, like a merchandise to be bought or sold. In other words, she was really up against the norms of society, and she was going against a huge system. And if any of you have read or watched the Hunger Games movies, the Hunger Games movie, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, soldier of like Katniss Everdeen going up against like President Snow and all of his soldiers, right? She was 
she was up against a huge system and the, the odds were really stacked against her. But there was a sort of persistence and grit and, and courage in Soul's Journal of Truth. She just kept on going. She kept on fighting for what is true and what is right. And she inspired many. And I just want to list a few things that she has done in her life. Um, as mentioned before, uh, she fought for the privilege of, uh, and rights of many. And uh, that includes black soldiers, uh, enslaved men as well. Uh, she also fought uh, for slaves to own land uh, during a time where uh, when, when, when slaves didn't own a lot of stuff, she's talking about owning a piece of property for slaves. Um, she also spoke against social movement, movements that were too narrow and only focused on certain segments like white women or like the feminist movement, right? That only focused on white women or black slaves, like the abolitionist movement. She fought to really have black women slaves to be included in those categories so that their rights are being protected. And during the Civil War, she helped recruit black troops for the army. She wanted to involve young black male in the business of the country, if you will. And let me show you a picture here. Her work during the, the, uh, the Civil War led her to an invitation to meet President Abraham Lincoln in 1864. So her legacy really paved way for uh, many to come after her, who came after her. Um, but there was one thing that she was mo uh, most well known for, and that was a, a really short speech that she preached, that she gave in 1851 when she was at a women's rights conference in Akron, Ohio. And the speech uh, came to be known as Ain't I a Woman? And I want you to listen and watch carefully. Um, you can almost hear that she cares so deeply about the subject matter that she was speaking. There was something deep inside her bones that she wanted to communicate. So, um, and, if, and if you Google later, don't Google it now, you'll see many, many black women actually reenacting this speech that she gave. And this one that you're about to watch is reenacted by actress Carrie Washington. So I just want you to watch this. Well, children, where there is so much racket, there must be something at a kilter. I think that twixt the Negroes of the South and the women at the North all talking about rights, the white man gonna be in a fix pretty soon. <laughs> but what's all this here talking about? That man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere. <laughs> Nobody ever helps me into carriages <laughs> or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I could work as much and eat as much as any man when I could get it. And I could bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have born 13 children, seen most sold off into slavery. And when I cried out with a mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. 
And ain't I a woman? And they talk about this thing in the head. What is it they call it? Oh, that's, that's right, yeah, intellect. <laughs> that's it, honey. Well, what's that got to do with women's rights and Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and your holds a quart, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half measure full? That man in the back there, he says, women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Well, where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? He came from God and a woman. Man didn't have nothing to do with it. woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone, well, these women here together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again. And they asking to do it. The men better let them. I hope you can see that Sojourner Truth is really a brave woman. She just kept on fighting for what is right and what is true. She trusted in God and her faith really brought her to a lot of hostile regions and really hostile audiences. Like she trusted God that enough to place herself in those situations uh, to speak the truth. And there was this one time a group of, of angry men with threatening threatened to actually burn down the stage that she was preaching from. But she kept on preaching and preaching and eventually the, the angry men just calmed down. And she said this in describing what kept her going during that time. And I quote what she said here. Shall I run away and hide from the devil? Me, a servant of the living God? Have I not faith enough to go out and quell that mob? When I know that it is written, one shall chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to fight. I know there are not a thousand here and I know I am a servant of the living God. I'll go to the rescue and the Lord shall go with and protect me. Oh, I felt as if I had three hearts and that they were so large, my body could hardly hold them. Now that's trust and faith and bravery right there. Sojourner Truths believe that God is with her reminds me what God said to Joshua and his family several thousand years ago as he was leading them, the Israelites, into the promised land. And this is from Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. I just want to read this short verse to you. This is God saying to Joshua and his family, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And friends, this was true several thousand years ago to Joshua and his family. And a couple hundred years ago, this was true. The fact that God is with uh, us and with, with Sojourner Truth, it was true to Sojourner Truth a couple hundred years ago. And it is also true today that God is with you and with me today. And 
just let that sink in a little bit because it is God's presence through the centuries over thousands and thousands of years and it's still true today. So what is the secret to Sojourner True's courage and bravery? Well, Sojourner, uh, while most of her work was uh, on social activism, speaking against the injustice and also on equality for black women slaves, right? There's also a huge part of her life uh, that is sort of untold. It's that she was a passionate Jesus follower. Yes, she was a passionate Jesus follower. And the secret to her bravery was first is that she found Jesus. She found Jesus. She found the truth of who God is and who she is in God. And there was a deep love from God and she has found him. She loves Jesus and she knows that Jesus loves him. And I quote her again and she says, uh, she was so ecstatic, right? So she says, I just walked around and round in a dream. Jesus loved me. I knowed it. I felt it. Jesus was my Jesus. Jesus would love me always. There was a deep understanding or grasping or believing, uh, embracing of God's love in her life. I knew it, she says. I felt it. Now, the truth was that Sojourner Truth was made in God's image and that she was a child. And she, yeah, she might've been born as a slave, but in God, she is now a daughter. Now, the second thing to her secret is that she believed deeply that God loved her wholeheartedly. She was convinced that it was not out of her own sheer willpower that she was able to escape or have courage to preach but it was because of God's love for her. She wholeheartedly believed in that. And friends, I just want us to pause for a moment here because I, I, I feel like we, you and I both believe in many, many things that are way less important, right? Than the truth that we are God's children. Like for example, we believe that's, you know, the movies that we want to, the movie that we want to watch is actually going to come up on a certain date. Or, or if you're a gamer, you know, that a certain, certain games are going to be released on a certain day. We believe many, many things that are way less important than the fact that we are God's children. And so let's take a page from Sojourner True's book. It's to wholeheartedly be convinced that we are made in God's image and that God loves you and that you are valued in God's eyes. And you know what? Truth found a deep sense of security in Jesus. And I quote her again. She said, I feel safe even in the midst of my enemies for the truth is powerful and will prevail. This is the courage that she had, the God-given courage. She was in the safety of God's truth and God himself uh, with God around her and the, her fellow human beings around her. Now, friends, the worship team is going to lead us into a song called Who You Say I Am. And it is a song that speaks of the fact that we are God's children, that God loves us, that um, who, who he says we are matters the most. So I just want you to take it all in as you listen to the song, as you hear the music, the melodies, uh, the notes, the voices, just ride all of that into uh, 
into, into God's arms, into the truth that you are God's child. So let's, let's worship together through this song. So what can we learn, um, what can we actually do in light of the story of Sojourner Truth you heard today? Well, if I may, let me suggest a couple of things that we can do. First, see hardship as a way to maturity. When we look at Sojourner Truth's life, we can see that she was experiencing 
hardship after hardship, hurt after hurt, difficulty after difficulty, but yet she came through and she rose above all of those obstacles and she was able to stand there in front of many people to speak the truth that God asked her to, to speak, that everyone is equal in God's eyes. And I think that yields to some sort of insights that hardship borns courage or creativity or joy or patience or faith. And without hardship, we can never reach those places. And without looking at our own fears and seeing what's really underneath the rock, it is very hard for us to grow. So see hardship as a way to maturity. And just like the fear of falling might keep someone from learning how to ride a bike. So it, we have to do the hard thing. Do the harder thing, if you will, because you know that on the other side of that hard thing is a stronger, wiser, and more courageous you, my friend. And while we're doing, and while you're doing the hard thing, think of the people you'll be able to help. Because a lot of times when we're going through the hardship, we only focus on ourselves. We're thinking that, oh, let me just help myself to get out of this situation. We don't think about the other people that we might be able to help because who has time, you know, when they're going through hardship. But when Sojourner Truth escaped, you know, it looked like she was escaping for herself and for her family. That's, that's fair. But little did we know that God was going to take her life experience of that being free from slavery and turn that around to help free so many slaves and, and, and to bring many to know the love of God. So, when you do the hard things, as you're going through hardship, you know it's going to mature you. Think about the people that you will help. And, you know, I think about my, my own experience with my own mother, and I think, you know, the sacrificial love of mothers actually comes to mind is that mothers are probably the best human beings on earth, right? Um, because they have their children in their mind. And I'm sorry if that's not your experience, but I really do think that that is a good example as, as, as a mother takes care of their, her children and she was, the children was top of her mind and she gave herself like that and she poured out her whole life raising children. And, you know, and I know dads are amazing too, but hey, you know. So see hardship as a way to maturity. And the second thing is be vulnerable in community. And I know this word vulnerable really scares a lot of us, including myself as well but we have to let people get to know you. You have to let people get to know you a bit. And I know this has to do with friendship and, and companionship and community and vulnerability. Those are really, really big things. We all need community. We need each other. We all need help from others. You know, remember Kenny Wheeler, the guy in, in UK was stuck in the elevator. You know, he had to update his status. He had to call out for help. He couldn't help himself. He couldn't get himself out of that situation. He had to kind of expose his own weakness. Yes, I'm stuck. I need help. Right? And early on, I spoke about being stuck in my work. Right? And that was a time when I remember a lot of friends just came by my side, prayed with me, listened to my stories a bit. Right? And later at the well, right here, some of you uh, came by my side to listen to my story. You shared your own experience of hardship or feeling stuck or trapped as well. And you know, that, those were some of the, the brightest, uh, brightest uh, moments of my life. And not because I am bright, 
but because those around me were shining so brightly. And, and if you look at Sojourner Truth, he, she had friends too, right? Remember the Van Wagenens, Isaac and, and Maria? They were the ones who actually helped Sojourner Truth to win back her, her son, right? And, 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 and they were a huge impact, huge part of Sojourner Truth becoming a Christian. We all need a community. And we must learn to become more, more vulnerable in front of the people um, that we trust. Now, probably with regards to being vulnerable, this is the most challenging. It's the idea of being seen by others, right? Sojourner Truth, if you look at her life, she put herself out there, right? In front of like angry people and she preached the truth and she stood there, she believed, she trusted in God and that was a, a hard thing to do. And her courage cast out many, many fears, right? And you might be thinking, I am never in my life going to stand there and talk to 500 people, 200 people, or 50 people. That's not me. And that's fine. That's fair. You don't have to do that. Not everyone's called to that. But we're all called to community. Maybe it's a group of three or four. And at the well, we have the home group that's going to restart in September, October's time. And I would challenge you, if you haven't signed up for home groups, you should. Find a home group. Uh, near you and, and talk to me, talk to one of the pastors, talk to people who are going to home groups and sign up there. And if you're already signed up, and I would also challenge you to do this. I know that we have planned materials every single time we meet, right? Sometimes it's activities, sometimes it's over a meal, sometimes it's discussion. But before you head into that gathering, just think about one thing that would allow people to get to know you a little bit more. Maybe uh, it's what happened during the past week, something that you've experienced. Or maybe if you're reading a book, share what you've been reading a book, uh, like what you've learned from the book, right? Or maybe it's a Bible verse that God spoke to you about um, or a home project that you're working on. And the idea really is to start small and to, to learn to be vulnerable in front of others and so that people can get to know you and so that you are seen. And as you are seen and become more vulnerable, that breaks that bondage of fear that will give you more and more courage uh, in your life that you need. And thirdly, and this is an ambitious one, is to ask God to give you a vision like the one he gave Sojourner Truth. Yeah, ask God to give you that vision, the vision that will convince you that you are loved by him, that you are valued in his eyes, that you are made in the image of God and that he loves you and he cares for you and that he, he has placed you in a community. So I'm just going to invite all of us as we wrap up just to take a time to be in silence. And sometimes we pray with words. Sometimes we pray with silence because it doesn't matter um, as we know that God is with us either way. So that's the lesson right there is to pause for a minute and let's ask God to give you an image or verse or word that would convince you of his love. So let's, let's pause for a moment and let me, lead, let me lead us into this. And God, we ask you as we pause in silence to remind us that you are here. And Lord, would you give us a vision like the one that you gave Sojourner Truth? God, give us a word, an image, a verse, something from you, God, as we wait.
God, we thank you for the life of Sojourner Truth. And as we were just pausing to hear from you, Lord, some of us have heard from you. And would you help us to retain that Holy Spirit? Maybe help us to write it down, type it on our phone. That image, that, that picture that convinces us of your love for us. And so God, God help us. And I know some of us might not have heard from you yet. And would you give us the courage to continue to sit uh, before you, to keep listening to you until you, you give us a vision that is like the one you gave soldier in shoes. So give us that persistence, the courage, because we know, God, that you love all of us, that you want us uh, to be close to you and you want us to continue to live the truth that you love us and that you love the world and you are bringing the world back to you through the love of Jesus. So help us to grapple with that, God. And I pray for those of us who are, are still wrestling through hardship right now. God, I pray that you will give us an extra portion of grace to think of the, others, the, the other people that, that uh, uh, they'll be able to help as they go through the hardship but also to see it as a way to, to maturity and, and to, to actually see it as a way to come closer to you, God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done. And so protect us and draw us close. May your word uh, remain in us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.